In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So our brain has a built-in negativity bias, uh, which causes us to focus on negative things uh, and sort of ignore the positive. And this has an evolutionary purpose because it allowed our caveman ancestors to be on the lookout for things that could kill them. But in today's modern world, when there aren't any saber-toothed tigers roaming the streets, that negativity bias causes us to focus on things that aren't really problems, like the guy who cut you off in the while you're driving, annoying emails, whatever it could be. And that causes us to be agitated, depressed, irritated, lonely, angry, whatever. But according to our guest, with just a few seconds every day, we can actually train our brain and hardwire it to overcome that negativity bias when it's not useful. His name is Dr. Rick Hansen. He's the author of the book, Hardwiring Happiness, the New Brain Science of Contentment, Calm, and Confidence. And today we're going to talk about how to hardwire your brain for happiness so you can be more resilient. Let's do this. Dr. Rick Hansen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brett. Okay, so your book is uh, Hardwiring Happiness. You've written other books, but this one is the most recent. And I think a first good question to ask before we talk about how you hardwire happiness is, what exactly do you mean by happiness? Right? Is it, is it a bliss? Yeah. Is it pleasure? Is it optimism? Is it a life of meaning? What's happiness? That's a great question. I think of it mainly as well-being. And well-being has two aspects to it. Uh, People talk about it as hedonia and eudaimonia. You may be familiar with those terms already. Oh, we are. Hedonia, yeah. yeah, hedonia is the happiness of sort of passing experiences, ranging from watching your sports team win, like I watched the uh, Golden Gate Warriors win last night. I'm happy about that. Or <laughs> hanging out with my family while we watched it. That was making me happy. Or, you know, going for a run with your dog on the beach, uh, seeing a beautiful sunset, making love. That's all kinds of happiness. Ordinary hedonia. And then there's so-called eudaimonia, which has a sense of meaning or fulfillment or purpose in life. For example, I think about parents uh, walking their crying baby at three in the morning. It's not something that they're particularly happy about, but it's the most meaningful and fulfilling thing they've ever done in their life. And the two together are what I would call happiness, which, by the way, is not to be poo-pooed. You know, as you well know, I think. You know, when people are happier, they're tougher, they're more resilient, they're more able to bounce back, they have a stronger immune system, they live longer, they have more fulfilling relationships. You know, the pharmaceutical companies could patent a happy pill uh, based on the research proven benefits it has for us. We'd be seeing ads for happiness every night on TV. <laughs> so I was, I was interested, is, is there been any research about happiness in men, specific to men, or is it just sort of like happiness is great for whether... whether either gender, but I'm just wondering if there's any specific research research towards men. If men have a hard time 
being happy or if they need to do things that, you know, how does it benefit men differently than women? Or is there That's a really interesting question. I'm not a specialist on, you know, sort of gender distinctions in terms of uh, research. I, it would not surprise me if there are specific studies. I mean, what is known is that men tend to uh, suppress their feelings more which can block happiness because then you're, you know, the mind-brain system is not like a flush toilet. It's like a septic tank and that stuff sticks around. So if you just shove it down, it's not like you can send it off to the ocean somewhere. It's with you. So on the one hand, on the other hand, women are more vulnerable to anxiety and depression, certainly statistically, uh, partly because of socially constructed events, you know, discrimination, sexism and whatnot, as well as physical health problems. So I suspect that it's kind of a, a toss-up as to which gender or sex is happier in general. I do think that men can draw upon, um, you know, kind of classic masculine uh, uh, things like, you know, the desire to get more and more competent at stuff. And also men can steer clear of the obstructions that drag down our happiness, like, uh, you know, keeping all your feelings inside and sort of imploding internally. Okay. So, um, you talk about our, our, our temperament that you know, there is a part of our temperament that's genetic that we don't have yeah. much control over, but you also say there is a part that we can control, right? Some of us are more right. prone to anxiety or depression and some of us are more prone to, you know, risk-taking and optimism. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the breakdown? How much can we control of our temperament, whether we're, we have, we're prone to happiness or, uh, Eeyoreism? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the research uh, on identical twins that are adopted into different homes, especially when you correct for the ways that most uh, adoptions occur into middle class or upper middle class homes so that you reduce the impact of environment, blah, blah. Bottom line at one third, two thirds. On average, about one third of the factors, the causes that determine our happiness or really most any other psychological attribute um, has to do with just DNA hardwired. It's in our genetics. Okay. The other two thirds is based on um, individual events in a person's life, both external environmental factors like did you grow up in poverty or were you traumatized in Iraq somewhere uh, and also efforts that we make inside ourselves to change ourselves for the better. So, you know, I can live with the one third I don't have control over, but I'm really zeroed in on the two thirds I do have some control over and trying to, you know, maximize it, trying to do the best I can each day to get really good at the two thirds that is under my own power. Okay. And this is where experience dependent neuroplasticity comes in, right? You got it exactly right. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, Neuro it is. yeah. Neuroplasticity uh, just means uh, the, fa the, the brain changes. Plasticity means changeable. So the bottom line is that we've got a brain and a nervous system broadly that's designed to be changed by our experiences. That's how we learn. A lot of that learning is kind of trivial, factual learning, like, okay, what's your uh, social security number? I mean, that's kind of useful. But where the real action is is emotional learning, motivational learning, social learning, attitudinal learning, honestly, frankly, even spiritual learning. And um, the research shows that that kind of learning, uh, which includes negative learning, you know, becoming more anxious or traumatized or irritable or feeling, you know, less and less sense of worth over time, that too is a kind of learning. And I'm sure we'll get to this, but We've got a brain that's evolved a negativity bias that makes it really good at learning from bad experiences, but relatively bad at learning from good experiences, even though learning from good experiences 
is the primary way to grow resilience, happiness, insight, willpower, and other wholesome qualities of mind and heart. Yeah. Why is it that we are, our brains are evolved with a negativity bias? Yeah. What was the, the purpose of that? Yeah. Um, people can Google whatever or search on negativity bias. There's a, so much research on it right now. The basic rationale for it is that if you imagine back in evolution, let's say we've got a nervous system evolving for 600 million years over that long run, you know, in effect, our ancestors, uh, including early humans, needed both to get carrots like food uh, and avoid sticks like predators becoming food for other animals, right? Well, they're both important, but the difference is if you fail to get a carrot today, you'll have a chance at a carrot tomorrow. But if you fail to avoid that stick today, whack, no more carrots forever. So we now have a brain that does four things. And you can just see in yourself that we do this, uh, continually scans for bad news, one, Two, when we find it, we hyper-focus on it. You know, if you want to see the big picture, it helps to be having an emotionally positive experience because when there's any kind of pain or threat, we lock down on it. And then three, we overreact to it. If you play two sounds for people, for example, inside an MRI, one is pleasant, one is unpleasant, and they're equally loud, the brain literally, wing, will react more to the unpleasant sound. And then fourth, that whole package is fast-tracked into emotional memory. We learn faster from pain than pleasure. We remember uh, you know, bad information about other people more than good information. We're more affected by negative interactions in our relationships than positive ones. And then in fact, fifth, the, the last thing is that all this negative experience sensitizes the brain. So it gets even more and more reactive to the negative. All this might have worked back in the Stone Age, but for and maybe for some people like on a combat tour or living in you know a terrible environment, all right, negativity bias is helpful. But for most of us, it's like a learning disability, a well-intended learning disability, given that we have a Stone Age brain in the 21st century. And it gets in the way of, it, besides giving us a lot of unnecessary negative experiences, it gets in the way of a lot of positive learning that would make us more resilient, happier, and more effective and skillful in our relationships and at work. Yeah. So, I mean, this is why, you know, we can hear a nice compliment, but we'll forget it, but we'll like think about and just dwell upon that one criticism, right? Yep. For days yeah. and it just eats at us. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, um, yeah, you said that we have this stone age brain in the 21st century. Is, is there something about uh, our the environment today? And we're talking about yeah. affluent Western societies where you're not having to worry about whether you're going to, you know, step on a landmine or something like that. Um, that makes having this negativity bias a detriment as opposed to an asset. Yeah, absolutely. There you are in your uh, going through your day, and research shows that, uh, especially you know, in the mm, three quarters of people in the world that are not living in terrible, horrible conditions, um, and some of whom are, you know here in America, let's say, uh, generally speaking, most people are having predominantly pleasant or neutral experiences interspersed with occasional negative ones. Now, of course, there are many unfortunate exceptions to that rule. But what happens is there you are, you're going through your day, right? You know, you get up, it feels okay. You, you know, I have breakfast, it's fine, plenty to eat. Uh, it's all pleasant, pleasant. And then you go through your day and someone, let's say, flips you off on the freeway. And, you know, it just hits that, Ooh, it's upsetting. Maybe you feel like, you know, male on male aggression, but you can't get the guy. And you think about that event for the rest of the day, even though most of your day was perfectly good. So for me, the two practical takeaways are 
Don't obsess about the negative. If it happens, it happens. I don't believe in positive thinking. I believe in realistic thinking. See the negatives. Okay. React to them appropriately. Do what you need to do. Fine. But don't dwell on it because your brain is like a sponge for any little bit of, I was going to use a vulgar term that started with P and I'll leave it at that. But anyway, any little bit of stuff that lands on it is going to get sucked in. On the other hand, when you're having those ordinary experiences, you know, you get something done, you finish an email, your partner is nice to you, uh, you feel kind of, you look in the mirror and you don't look too bad. Uh, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, get to work and you, you know, people compliment you or you feel good about yourself. Maybe you do a workout and it feels good in your body. Take the extra 10 or 20 seconds to really register that experience using the power of experience-dependent neuroplasticity to turn that passing mental state into a lasting positive neural trait. And this is, this is how you overcome the negativity bias. Yeah, exactly right. And it's a lot of little things that I, you know, my book is way into the, you know, how to actually do it in a lot of depth and especially how to apply it, how to apply these general skills to particular situations like feeling threatened in situations or feeling insecure inside or feeling frustrated or disappointed in life and so forth. They're dealing with addictions of different kinds, you know, or dealing with relationship issues. So that's cool. But the essence is really simple. Have it, enjoy it. In other words, if you're having that beneficial experience, don't just skip on to the next thing. Give it to yourself. You know, why not? Why waste all that money, in effect? Why let that, why leave all that money on the table? Why waste those experiences on your brain? Why not take the extra five or 10 or 20 seconds? It's private. No one needs to know you're doing it. Hang out with the experience. You know, there's a famous saying, you may know it, uh, neurons, uh, neurons firing together, wire together. And um, in other words, what we're trying to do is extend the firing to improve the wiring. We're also trying to intensify the firing by really feeling this positive, beneficial experience, uh, even though it's mild usually, but really feeling it, to get those neurons firing intensively so they wire intensively and also experiencing the experience in your whole body. So again, you get those neurons firing to wire that beneficial experience into yourself. Any single time you do it won't usually change your life, but think of the difference in an, like an interest rate for your savings account or your retirement, you know, between let's say six and 5% or six and 4%. On any given day, the difference between six and 4% is not a big deal. But if you gradually accumulate that difference over a month, let alone a year, let alone a lifespan, as it compounds, that little difference makes an enormous difference. So I'd ask people, what's your growth rate as you go through, through your day? You know, what's your learning rate as you go through your day? Is it flat, shallow, or steep? And my whole focus is on helping people really steepen their learning curve by getting competent at helping their brain change for the better. But it isn't an overnight process. Usually not, no. But that's part of what makes it legit because it's not a quick fix. It's not pie in the sky. It's not looking on the bright side. You know, it's not just smell the flowers, although, hey, those flowers smell good. Why not smell them? You know, if they're there to be smelled. But I'm really talking about muscle. It's a, you know, you're building muscle in effect, metaphorically speaking, in your brain, not literally, but you're building neural structures and studies show that you're actually changing your brain over time when you do these kind of practices. And I think just to kind of make a finish on a point here, we're good 
generally speaking, at having beneficial experiences. In other words, at activating useful mental states. We, most people suck at converting those passing mental states into any kind of lasting change in neural structure or function. In other words, we tend to be poor, uh, whether uh, professionally as therapists, let's say, or informally as we're just trying to help ourselves along the way. We tend to be poor at installation, at helping the experience really, really sink in. And so for me, it's a challenge. And it's appropriate to take up the challenge to, you know, really help your brain uh, capture the benefit of your ordinary beneficial experiences instead of wasting them. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. So it seems like the negativity bias, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is this sort of going on in a mammalian brain? Like that sort of- It's prime? the whole brain. It's the whole brain. I mean, if you think okay. about it, you know, lizards, man, they got to really learn from pain. No, yeah. it's all over the brain. I mean, it's all over the brain, the negativity bias. Okay. So, but it seems like you need to really use that prefrontal cortex to be self-directed and kind of taking in these uh, positive moments. I think that's a good way to put it, Brett, in the beginning. Okay. In other words, um, in the beginning, we do it deliberately. You know, you, you realize, hey, half a dozen times a day, half a minute at a time, that's less than five minutes a day. If I'm already having a little moment of feeling strong inside myself, let's say, or a little moment of being satisfied or like I accomplished something, like I'm a success or a little moment, let's say, of feeling connected to somebody else or being, you know, caring and loving yourself. Why not, right? When you're having those little moments, um, show up for them. Let them land. Let them really, really sink in. So in the beginning, yeah, you do it deliberately. But there is this natural movement in, in learning and psychology from deliberate to automatic and then it becomes a habit. You start developing the habit of taking in the good in your flow of everyday life. And also that habit uh, increasingly is grounded in lower structures in the brain, not just prefrontal structures, that are motivational structures. You start leaning toward the good and you start kind of being receptive to it uh, in your body, which is a very embodied, you know, lower brain kind of learning. Okay. But how do you do this when uh, things get crazy, right? Yeah. Whenever, because this is the, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I, I think you you wrote and talked about this in your book. You tend to be um, anxiety prone. Yeah. Uh, I've even had my genetic, my genome sequence, and I found out I have like the warrior gene, right? I've, uh -huh, yeah. I, I've got that. Um, and so, you know, being, you know, resilient and focusing on the positive and not letting the negativity bias get me down has always been a struggle for me. And I'll get in these kicks where like I'll do really well for a few weeks. And then someday, just something, just, Everything will just go completely nuts and mm -hmm. I'll just have this setback. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle those setbacks um, whenever you're just, everything's going crazy and yeah. you forget, you go into that reactive mode instead of being totally. responsive? Yeah, I know what you mean. So um, great question. Uh, the way, uh, I, I think first and foremost, when you're in that setback moment is to ride out the storm and not make a bad thing worse, not pour, you know, gasoline on the fire. So uh, th I think that there are just three ways to engage your mind productively uh, to, number one, be with what's there without trying to change it. Just witness it, hopefully with kind of mindful, spacious awareness Two, reduce the negative, you know, 
let go of those ideas that aren't helping you, release the feelings, let the tension drain out of your body, realize that you can't drink like you used to when you were 20 years old, you know, let go of those unwholesome desires, unhelpful desires, and so on. And then third way to engage the mind is to grow the positive, increase your inner strengths of resilience, gratitude, compassion for yourself, compassion for other people, confidence, you know, interpersonal skills, etc. You know, build the good, grow the good inside yourself. So even though I've been focusing here so far on the third one of these, um, there it's in the context of the other two. So I would say that when everything goes crazy, uh, you know, feel the feelings. Uh, see what's going on. Explore your own experience. Like what's going on inside me that I, you know, this stuff's happening, but I'm having all these reactions to it. It doesn't mean that you're a wuss. It doesn't mean you're doing therapy on yourself. Um, it means more like you're you're being honest about what's really going on inside, and you're you have enough courage, honestly, you're brave enough to open to your own feelings and tolerate them. Okay, but then. Usually in the moment, there's a transition. Sometimes it's only a few seconds or minutes. Sometimes it's hours or days where it's time to move out of just being with what's there to letting it go. You know, stepping out of the struggle with somebody else, letting go of unrealistic ideas about what's going to happen here. Um, You know, uh, apologizing for how you screwed up, let's say, you know, letting it go. And then Third, looking for the lessons. You know, what's the takeaway here? What's the learning I can acquire? You know, well, how can I grow through this screwed up experience I was just caught in, right? So those are the three ways. And I think those three ways to engage the mind give us a kind of roadmap. So that's what a person can do in the moment. And um, then there's what we can do offstage to prepare for those moments. And one of the things I love about your website, in a lot of ways, it's about helping people prep, you know, in the locker room, as it were, for when they're suddenly out there on the playing field and they've got to draw upon what they developed inside themselves. And so for me, that goes to what I call key resource experiences. There's a whole model of that in my book. The super fast version is that inside us all is a little lizard, a little mouse, and a little monkey that, you know, metaphorically, corresponds to the reptilian brainstem, mammalian subcortex, and primate human cortex, which loosely relates to our three core needs, safety, satisfaction, connection. So if you're talking about myself as someone you know, vulnerable to anxiety or yourself as having the, war- the worrier gene, distinct from the warrior gene, right? I probably have both genes from my Scottish heritage, but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, then you think to yourself, okay, that's the safety system issue. Worry has to do with the safety system, feeling threatened when everything goes crazy. So what I can do over time is build up an internal felt sense of different resources inside, like recognizing that I'm actually okay even when things are going crazy, or like feeling protected, or like feeling that I've got others who are cheering me on and have my back, or like feeling um, a very strong sense of grit and hardiness and determination inside. You know, I may have been whacked around hard here, but I'm not going to be defeated by this stuff, right? And then as you repeatedly through, neurons that fire together, wire together, repeatedly uh, install those key resource experiences that are targeted at an issue that you know you're dealing with, a challenge that's going to come again around the bend. You know, you know it's going to happen. As you grow those resources inside yourself, increasingly, and many studies back this up, increasingly you become able to deal with the situations 
or the relationship issues, whatever, the financial losses that used to have you seeing red, you know, and pushing you over the edge. But instead, you can deal with the exact same tough times, tough situation, while staying in what I call the green zone, where, you know, you feel strong inside, you feel centered inside, uh, you have a fundamental core well-being and happiness that this screwed up situation cannot touch. And on the basis of that, you're dealing with those challenges. Yeah, I, I, whenever I have, feel that, that cortisol surge, when I'm getting like yeah. anxious, like, I always have to like stop and remind myself, like, I'm not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. Like, my, my, it's like my, my life's not at risk. Because usually you yeah, get upset about these really dumb modern things that aren't really yeah. problems. Yeah, our kids joke, they call them first world problems. Yeah. Ugh, I can't get cell service. Yeah. You know? So you alluded earlier that this whole idea of hardwiring happiness is more about, is, is it, is, it's more than just feeling good about yourself, feeling good about life, being resilient. It's about learning. Yeah. Uh, being a better learner. I mean, how, how does that, how does all this play into being a, just a better learner overall in your life? Yeah. Um, well, if you think about it, we can't do anything about the past, right? It's done. And the present moment when it boom pops into existence and then vanishes out of existence to the next moment, <coughs> boom, the present moment, you can't, it is what it is. But what we can do something about is how much we learn from here. That, if you think of it as our most fundamental property, it's, and it's also what we earn. So I'm very, you know, old school. I've been a therapist a long time. I think it's maybe nicer, but it's made me tougher. You got to earn it. You got to do the work. But if, and I see, frankly, Brad, tons of people that will get, that will work hard to get good at stuff that they will tell you don't matter much, like some software program they're learning at work or some detail of, you know, dealing with their boss. And they won't put much effort into um, getting good at stuff that they'll tell you do does matter a lot, like becoming a better parent or a better partner or, you know, more skillful and effective in how they deal with others or how they manage their own thoughts and feelings. And so for me, it's, you know, the larger frame here is around competence and getting competent at becoming competent. In other words, learning the how of learning, which is a fundamental neuropsychological process. And so for me, this is a really important thing that's been under our nose that we don't pay enough attention to. You know, how do we actually learn and how can you use how your brain learns to help yourself, you know, whatever it might be. There they are reading, let's say, um, you know, one of the extremely well written, I got to say, pieces on your website or listening to one of your podcasts. OK, it's a momentarily interesting, beneficial experience, let's say. It's interesting. But what's the takeaway? And how can you help that takeaway really sink in so you have a steeper learning curve rather than a flatter learning curve from whatever you're doing in life, including, you know, listening to a podcast? To me, that's what really interests me. Okay. And how that is way simple. It's and it usually feels good because most um, the basis for most inner strengths like resilience, determination, you know, uh, insight into other people, insight into yourself, many other aspects of um, success in life and happiness and longevity. You know, what we really care about. Um, you know, much research shows that you really can help yourself, you know, be a stronger man, be a wiser man, be a more loving and virtuous man at the end of the day than when you were when you woke up. And that's what really interests me. That's where the rubber meets the road every day. Okay. 
Well, I always like to end these uh, our podcast with some from like just a, a practical takeaway. All um, right. So what's what's one what one thing that listeners can do as soon as they're done listening to this podcast that they can that'll help them hardwire themselves for happiness and more resilience? Yeah. I'd say one thing to do is uh, notice in this moment that you're actually basically all right, that the body has enough air to breathe. There's probably enough water in it, enough food. You're not in agonizing pain. The brain is actually designed to trick us into thinking that we're always not quite all right, so that we're going to scratch and claw and you know fight off the saber-toothed tiger to survive. But in fact, that's delusional. We're actually usually all right, basically in any moment. And you can notice that and let that sink in. I'd say that too. I'd look for the opportunity to feel like, wow, I already have so many good things in my life, including the opportunity to listen to a podcast like this with modern technology. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to be ambitious. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be passionate and um, you know competitive and so forth. But I can do that on the basis of feeling like I'm already entirely satisfied in a kind of deep way. And you can let that sink in. And then I would just finish by saying, pick one thing that you're trying to grow in yourself these days. What's that one thing for you these days? It could be one thing today or one thing in general this week, this month, this quarter. What are you working on, right? And then look for opportunities to have an experience of that thing you're trying to grow in yourself. Are you trying to become more determined? Are you trying to become more confident? Are you trying to have a deeper feeling of your own worth? Are you trying to help yourself be a better listener? Because you can see that's going to work a lot better, you know, in your intimate relationships. Okay, what are you working on? When you have opportunities to experience that positive, beneficial mental state, slow it down. Take a breath. Stay with it. Keep feeling it. Come back to it. Don't let yourself be distracted around it. Hang out with it 12, you know, one, two, three dozen seconds in a row to really help it sink into yourself and try to do that at least once a day. And I bet, I predict that if a person does that 10 days in a row, you're going to fundamentally feel different in important ways. Awesome. So Dr. Hanson, where can people find out more about your work? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, my website, rickhanson.net, S-O-N, rickhanson.net, is chock full of freely offered resources. Um, and uh, they can learn all about me really at that website, rickhanson, S-O-N.net. All right. Well, Rick Hanson, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Brad, it's been a pleasure for me as well. Our guest today was Dr. Rick Hansen. He's the author of the book, Hardwiring Happiness, The New Brain Science of Contentment, Calm, and Confidence. And you can find that book at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can also find out more information about his work at rickhansen.net, as well as his foundations of well-being at fwb.rickhansen.net. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And I'd really appreciate it also if you check out our Art of Manliness store at store.artofmanliness.com. You'll find all sorts of Art of Manliness products there. A coffee mug that's really hefty. You could bludgeon someone with it. Uh, Art of Manliness t-shirts. Rudyard Kipling if poster. And we also have a journal there inspired by Benjamin Franklin's virtue diary that he created as a young man. It's a one-of-kind product, and it's a great thing to use to kind of track your progress on becoming the man you want to be. Really appreciate it. Your purchases there will support the podcast and the Art of Manliness website. Again, that's store.artofmanliness.com. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.